Hello, and welcome again to another Lighthouse Video Mana Podcast. I'm Pastor Jeff Glenn, and it's my pleasure to take you through the Word each week and see what uh, we can find in here. We have been in Genesis now for several weeks, maybe a month, and we just finished up last week in Genesis 16. And we see this whole business between Hagar uh, taking on um, Abram and having a son, and we see Hagar hating on Sarai, and it was Sarai's idea to begin with, and then Sarai's mistreatment of Hagar. We, we find ourselves in chapter 17 today, which is about 13 years later, when Abram has another encounter with the Lord. And he begins this chapter 17 with this, um, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. And so you might be saying to yourself, blameless, really? Well, first, uh, I had to, we have to consider that is this simply a statement or is it a command? You know, this, this um, walk before me part. And for me, I think it's an invitation. So if we notice the order of God's statement, it is the walk before me that connects this act of obedience to Abram's right state before God. And it also backs up what we learned in Genesis 15, verse 6. Then he, Abram, believed in the Lord, and he reckoned to him, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. So Abram's faith, his belief, is, is reckoned by the Lord as righteous. So in this statement here, when the Lord is calling Abram up, is what I think is going on here. He's had this 13-year wait between this promise and this, this failure of his to bring about this promise in his own flesh. Now the Lord is saying to Abram, I'm going to call you up. And we see here that then God institutes circumcision as a sign for his covenant with Abram. And he goes through this covenant that he talks about. And there's, um, it's not a covenant like chapter 15 where God instituted and fulfilled the covenant in his, in his own strength and, and power apart from Abram. Remember, Abram was asleep, and so God completed the covenant. This is, this is different in that it has two parts. First, it has God's part. And we see that um, Abram, and his name, that name means exalted father, he gets a, a new name. He gets a name change to Abraham, which means father of a multitude or father of nations. And we see that the covenant that's instituted here is an everlasting covenant, not only for Abraham, but for his descendants. And one of the main clauses of this covenant is that God would be Abraham and all of his descendants um, God. And we see that um, in the end of verse 7, to be your God and to your descendants after you. And so essentially recognizing God as their only God would be the mark of this covenant, one of the marks anyway. And so um, it's also... In this covenant, we see this promise specifically the land of Canaan. Previously, God had just had Abram look around the country and wherever his foot would touch, but now we see specifically Canaan. And this covenant passes on to Abram's, Abraham's descendants as an everlasting possession. And so this is very important for us, that it's this land that they were going to come into would be an everlasting possession. 
uh, based on God giving it to them. And again, God being the God of all of those descendants and being bound to that covenant and agreement to, to that land and to God being their God was also part of that covenant that God would fulfill. Abraham and his descendants on their part would receive circumcision as a sign of this covenant. And so this would be the cutting away of the flesh on the eighth day. And while that practice most likely existed in that area of the world around that time, this is giving it a specific purpose that it represents the sign of this covenant between Abraham and God and Abraham's descendants. And so it's a cutting away of the, the flesh on the eighth day. And the, the caveat here is that the failure to do this would result in being cut off from the people of Israel. And so that would be important for what's about to come, but we'll touch on that in a second. We also see that, that Sarai <clears throat> gets a new name also. Um, Sarah is her new name, and that means princess. And so if we consider that, right, so previously she was just this nomad's wife, living this nomadic existence, going from place to place, trying to find uh, food for their flocks, and then being called out of um, Mesopotamia into the, this promised land. But now she's royalty. She gets this, this name that means princess, that she is, that she is a daughter of, of the Lord. And so um, we know that it's not because of Abraham's nobility, but because of God's. And so she also gets this promise that she would bear a son and that kings of people shall be from her. So her descendants would be, um, among them would be kings. And so we find it very interesting here at um, Abram's response to this is that he laughed. And we have to ask ourselves, well, is that a, is that a disrespectful laugh? Is that, this is something that, that is Abraham disrespecting God and his promises? Well, I don't think so. If we take a look at the passage closer, we see that Abram fell on his face. This is verse 17. Then Abram fell, Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to man who is over 100 years old? Who is 100 years old? So we see the first thing he did is he fell on his face. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. So this falling on her face is a sign of worship. And so commentators suggest that this was a, a joyful expression, really. Um, Abraham was laughing with joy and is ex expressing the, the final fulfillment of this promise for him to have offspring uh, through he and, and Sarah. And so um, it makes sense. Romans 4, 18 through 21 describes Abram's um, posture of his heart towards God's promises. So speaking of Abram, it says, who, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. So Abram's confidence was fully in God in what he had promised he would be able to perform. And so we also see that um, 
backing up this idea of this being joyful um, laughter is that immediately after this encounter, Abraham and all the males in his company, um, eight days and older, were circumcised. And so this was an immediate act of obedience that um, Abraham, Abraham took on, showing that he was faithful to what God had promised him, or believed faithfully in what God had promised him. And so with all this talk of covenants and circumcision, you know, it can be tempting to kind of orientate our own response uh, to wanting to, to commit to God in, in some similar way, like some covenant. Um, but it's helpful and it's even necessary to remember that, that this was for Abraham and his descendants in that time. And Romans 4, 9 through 12 gives us uh, some context too. Does this blessedness come up? Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, the seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believed. Though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness may be imputed to them also, and the father of the circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of the faith with which our father Abraham was still uncircumcised. So this, this is all about a faith being foundational to our righteousness. And for us, our covenant is through Jesus Christ. And uh, there's Tons of passages about that, but we see that uh, pretty clearly in Colossians 2.11 when it says, In him, in Jesus, in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So it's a circumcision of Christ this, that makes us holy and acceptable to God. And it's given to us by promise um, as believers in this day and age through the Holy Spirit. And Ephesians 4.30 gives us that assurance when it says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And so we look to Jesus as our sign um, of circumcision, as our um, stamp of approval of, of righteousness, and we get that guarantee through the Holy Spirit. And so I hope that's helpful. And until next week, Stay in the word and stay encouraged.